what is really more dangerous to society? And in my mind right now, it looks to me like the Internet um, and cell phone usage while driving is actually killing more teens than, than firearms are. And so I said, well, maybe we ought to start a discussion on cell phones. Today we have this amazing conversation with John Rogers, a state senator from Vermont, who has proposed a bill unlike any other that's been proposed, and that is to ban cell phones from anyone under the age of 21. We're going to talk about it and what has happened since he proposed this bill, the discussion that has sparked across the nation. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Season 8, 2020, Jason, here we are. It's been a long wait, but we are finally here. I know you guys have been anticipating this season for, I don't know how long, but probably since the last season that we released. So we are jumping into a very, very exciting series of episodes. We've got some amazing guests, some great conversation. As always, some very updated research from students themselves telling us their opinions directly, no filter. We're going to hear from students and their perspective on things and talk about all that in the context of what we're doing to help students as youth workers, as pastors, as parents. This is what Thought Factor is about, and this is a very exciting time as we go into this season eight series of episodes. It is crazy to think that we are no longer in the tens, but now we are in the twenties, and now we have to think about 2020 which is something that we are doing this summer, an event called Claim Your Campus 2020. We have brought it up a number of times in past episodes, and we you'll hear more about it throughout the, the season in the next few months, but we want to introduce it to you in the first episode as well because it is that important to us, and we want you to know about it. It's an event that we've been in the planning stages for three years now. ClaimYourCampus2020.com is the website. And it is what we're calling a moment to mobilize a movement. It's a gathering of middle and high schoolers. It's something that's not been done in several decades. And the the nature of the event itself really is original in what its concept is. But it is a national gathering of students. We are looking for 100,000 students from 10,000 middle and high schools around the country to come together on July 4th weekend in Kansas for what will be, we believe, a historic moment and event for this generation. And a lot of guests will be there for King & Country, other artists. We're continually giving updates on our website, and we're also, every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're doing uh, live uh, real-time updates and uh, mobilization strategies on how we can all be a part of this amazing event and movement. So we want to see you there. You should get signed up. Go to the website. It's $49 for students. It's only $99 for adults. And that gives you the experience of the entire weekend to be there and to get a ticket for this event. And uh, Jason, we're just anticipating that this is more than just an event. It's something beyond that. I agree. There is something moving 
in us because God is moving in the country and we are just joining in to his invitation of this movement. And, and this event goes beyond just what we are doing for Claim Your Campus. It is beyond us. It's it's what's resonating in the hearts of believers throughout the country. And so we we are excited to to just join into the, the stream of God's movement and it lands on July 4th weekend. That is our event time, but we know God is moving now where he's going to continue to move past July 4th. And so we are just joining in what he's already doing. This event really is geared to bring students together and unite, equip, and inspire them to go back and to bring uh, ways that they can show and share Jesus at their school, bringing change to their school campus. And what we've seen over the years in our ministry and along with 75 other organizations is that even one or a handful of small group of students can bring significant spiritual change to their school campus. We're going to be talking about that throughout this season, and we're doing some episodes on why the school campus is so strategic in this time frame in which we live in a ministry context and a context of our society. But again, claimyourcampus2020.com. We hope that you go to the website right now, check it out, and get involved in what's happening. We've also got NTS Camp coming up this summer. We're excited, as always, about that, Jason. We have these events all over the nation. We're going to be traveling a lot this summer, not only for Claim Your Campus 2020, but to NTS Camp across the nation as we gather with youth ministries and students. NTS Camp is part of our ministry of Never the Same. It's one aspect where we partner with local churches and their youth ministry to join us at one of these sites across the country and have a camp experience with their youth ministry, their youth leaders, their students. And we put on the entire thing and just allow you to show up and and participate and really engage in what God is doing in your life and your students' life and, and allow you to to have momentum into your ministry and for the rest of the year. And so we invite you to join us. If you are not a part of any camp ministry or you don't know what to do in the summer and you're looking for something, go to ntscamp.com and check us out or email us at info at ntscamp.com and just inquire about what it looks like to join us for this summer. So today's episode, we're beginning some conversations about the digital world in which we live. And today, Jason, we're going to talk specifically about something that that we've never mentioned before, but it's so important, and that is what laws and legislations can protect our kids. We're talking about this from a parent's perspective. As youth pastors, as youth workers, uh, we've realized that, that in terms of our legislation and laws nationally and even regionally and statewide, we're way behind the times, and some of these things are really important, and we're going to talk about some of the things that are happening like up to the minute of legislations that are happening around the country. There is this concern in regards to digital devices, cell phones, tablets, and being in the hands of adolescents and kind of going, is there is there regulations, there are rules? How are we handling this as a society? This is all pretty much new within the last... 12 years, really, when the advent of the iPhone happened in 2007, we haven't really established some regulations in regards to how kids and how youth and adolescents handle this device and how it affects their brain development. And so we are looking at 
at some aspects of the legislation in the digital world and, and really just carrying this conversation because we think it's important. In this next segment, we're going to hear from state senator from Vermont, John Rogers, who is proposing this pretty radical legislation with students and cell phones. You need to hear about this. Hello. Good morning, Senator Rogers. This is Jason Brewer. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Do you prefer to be called John or John Rogers or Senator Rogers or Johnny? Any of any of the bu- above are fine. Oh. I do not get hung up on formality. Well, well, good. We'll call you <laughs> one of those throughout the the episode. I'm here with my co-host Jeff Eckert. Hey, good to good to hear from you. We're um, we're glad that you're able to have this conversation with us. Thanks for taking your time. Glad to do it. We want to talk to you about this bill that you've proposed to your state that would ban cell phone usage for people under 21 years of age. Tell us about the bill and your rationale for proposing it. Well, we know that uh, accidents are the major killer of teens in the U.S. and that using a cell phone while driving greatly increases the chances of of kids having traffic accidents. Um, And what I'm trying to do with this bill is really make people look inward and ask them, what liberties are you willing to give up in the name of safety or perceived safety? Um, We in Vermont have a long history of gun ownership and very few um, gun control laws. And in the last few years, um, new Vermonters have started chipping away at what uh, historic Vermonters feel uh, was a right that they've had for generations. And we do live in uh, one of, if not the safest state in the nation. And, you know, the reason behind Uh, Gun restrictions is always about people's safety, which I think we can all agree on. Um, But we need to address the underlying problems in society. But we as legislators seem to have a bad habit of going after the visible symptoms instead of the underlying problems. So I'm just hoping to get a conversation going about, you know, various ways that we can make people safer in America and uh, really think that cell phone use and the use of the internet, especially social media, has led to uh, a more divided country than I believe we've had since the Civil War because people can sit behind the keyboard on their phone or computer and they would they say things that I don't believe they would normally say to someone's face. And I think that it's, it's very dangerous. And I've experienced uh, a huge number of insults and, and threats uh, since the introduction of this bill over social media and, and by email. And I think it really is uh, just leading to further divisions and uh, lack of human, humanity. Here on the Thought Factory, we have a number of conversations in regards to social media and technology in the hands of adolescents and, and youth. And so we are, are well aware of the, the issues and the problems and all of that 
comes about where we feel like they it's affecting them not only uh, relationally but also uh, psychologically. But my question with this ban or this bill to ban the cell phone use for anybody that's 21 years of age or under, there's plenty of, of bills proposed and, and laws about driving while using. What is What makes this one different to ban it completely? I, fe- I believe it's the first one in legislation to completely ban a cell phone from the usage of anyone under 21, right? Yes, yes it is. and. You know, I have no delusions that this bill is going to pass. Um, you know, it's, it's spurring discussion. I hope it leads to progress in saving uh, teen life. Um, but I don't believe it will ever pass. And I don't personally believe in bans. Take, for instance, uh, alcohol prohibition. We banned alcohol use in the United States. And it didn't stop people from drinking. It drove people underground. And, uh, you know, it, it created a whole bunch of criminals that figured out they could make money uh, running illegal booze. And the same is true of our drug policy. Drugs have been illegal for many years, and we've had this ongoing war on drugs. And we in Vermont, and I know much of the country, are struggling with the worst opiate crisis ever. So I don't necessarily believe in bans, but we have to do something to, to start the conversation of how we cure these various ills of society, and that's why I really introduced it. This is just a, a tool uh, to try to get a conversation going, and it's been successful beyond my wildest dreams because I, I really hoped we'd get a conversation going here in Vermont. And I have done radio programs and interviews across the country and also in Canada. So I at least have people talking. And if that's, if that's all I accomplish, I will have done great things. We appreciate so much, John, your, your care for young people. And I think seeing that from a legislative perspective is really encouraging to me personally. I'm wondering, sometimes with Bill's, the origin of a bill can come from a personal experience. I'm just curious, is there anything in your life personally that is connected to this legislation? Well, you know, it comes from a place of, um, my family's been here for, for generations, and it really started with the gun debate. And I know that that seems to be a, a dramatic difference between cell phones and firearms. Um, But I believe in the Constitution, and I believe it's a package, and I believe we have to protect it as a package. And many of us that live in rural America have grown up with guns, and they're a tool just like a chainsaw or a shovel or a tractor. Um, And if there was ever an issue at the home farm, we had no police protection anywhere close to us. So we're a strong, independent people who who took the safety and security of ourselves and our neighborhoods uh, seriously. And so we were, we were always ready. And, you know, uh, God forbid we ever have to use them, um, but we know that there's a lot of violence in society. We have a lot of uh, break-ins, uh, sometimes in homes that are occupied. We have a lot of drug addicts who are maybe not always rational, who are looking for money breaking into people's homes and businesses. 
And so this this slow erosion of our of our gun rights made me think, okay, what is really more dangerous to society? And in my mind right now, it looks to me like the internet um, and cell phone usage while driving is actually killing more teens than than firearms are. And so I said, well, maybe we ought to start a discussion on cell phones. And the the encompassing message is I really want people to think about what privileges, what rights, what freedoms are they willing to give up for safety? Because if they really say they'll give up anything for safety, then we should expand the Patriot Act and let the government and law enforcement search everybody's phones and computers and go into their homes whenever they want. But I wouldn't support that either because that goes against the Constitution. And so I'm just trying to get people to really think about taking other people's rights because they're not valuable to them and what right are they willing to give up for safety. And obviously the cell phone is a very popular piece of technology that's in the hands of all of America uh, and around the world. And so you obviously are, are comparing it to the safety of uh, the likes of a firearm, but what other things are you seeing in young people that that is negatively impacting them with the cell phone use? Well, I think you uh, stated it before. I think social skills have declined. Um, it looks like our young people are turning into cyborgs. They uh, literally feel like uh, you know they're not whole if they don't have their phone, and that's unfortunate. I think one of the big problems with humanity right now is many people are too far removed from nature and you know nobody listens to the wind or takes a walk in the woods or or gets out away from their electronics and i don't think the human mind was meant to be connected to electronics all the time and i wonder if that is what's driving the increase in suicides the increase in in mass shootings divisions in this country is that people have disassociated with other folks. They're no longer sitting down and having face-to-face conversations. And as we've seen, it's way easier to insult somebody when you don't have to see the look on their face, when you don't have to see how disturbed they are by that insult. And uh, so, so unfortunately, I think it's leading to a huge loss in social skills. Yeah, we definitely would agree with what you're saying there. It's cell phone usage. I've often said that we look back to the era where electricity came into society and how that transformed the way we live. I think that's true of the internet, information age, and cell phones. Now, what you've mentioned earlier earlier in your uh, remarks, but what kind of discussion this has sparked and it's gone beyond your wildest dreams. Tell us a little bit about the, the negative and the positive uh, since you've propose this bill? Sure. Well, the, the, you know, the positive is really the fact that I have been on from, you know, from here in Vermont, to Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago, Toronto, Canada, uh, Pennsylvania. I've been interviewed by uh, many people, in, including the, the New York Times and uh, uh, down in Florida. And, and it, it, you know, it's really been uh, amazing, the people who have grabbed hold of this and taken interest. Um, I've had people tell me that they've seen 
various large news organizations cover it on their TV programs. Uh, so it, it has sparked the conversation. On the negative side, we have a whole bunch of people who read the headline or read the title of the bill and react net negatively. And I have probably gotten uh, more nasty grams and insults in the last week than I have in my entire life. And it, it's really disappointing. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to lose faith in humanity when, when you see the cruelness of, of people. And uh, this, this really doesn't help to see how cruel people are, and many of them are completely uninformed in making snap judgments with emails and social media without even knowing the facts. You mentioned that you are, are not delusional about it passing and whether it, you just really want to uh, start a conversation. But at the same time, news cycles are quick and it comes into people's minds and then out and we're on to the next thing. Like, ultimately, what would you like to accomplish? Not just a conversation, but what would you like to see happen in legislation? Not a complete ban, like you said, but you know something in regards to cell phone use. What are you trying to accomplish beyond just having a conversation? Because we can all have a conversation and then move on to the next thing and nothing changes. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens all too often. And I think um, the, the conversation is rewarding, but results will be more rewarding. And, you know, I hope we uh, can get to a point where the conversations actually lead to uh, an idea that saves uh, teenagers. That, that, and, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but we never come up with answers without conversation. And so maybe, maybe we can come up uh, with other ways to address it, to get this message to teens, uh, because if you read the horror stories about uh, the various accidents of, of teens driving and dying themselves and, and killing others, it's clear that we have to do better. And so that's what I hope it leads to is I may not have the idea, um, but maybe this conversation will lead to someone having an idea of how we save more teens. John, we are so inspired by hearing that specifically yeah. and knowing your heart behind this bill and your caring for young people. And uh, we just, we want to pass on our um, thanks to you and appreciation and uh, hopefully some positivity for you because uh, you really put yourself out there in this bill and it is sparking some discussion. And for people in our audience, we hope that they are thinking those well because I just want to say that your your um, reasoning and rationale for this bill to protect young people is right on, and we really appreciate that, and we're grateful for your time today. Well, that's great, and thank you, and thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, uh, we're leaving this planet in the hands of our kids, and uh, so it's all about them. They're our future. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. You as well. So in the next segment, we're going to be talking with our good friend Chris McKenna about some other issues regarding students, cell phone use, and legislation. One of the great 
forces that keeps companies accountable is the threat of being sued, right? None of that exists when it comes to these technology spaces because we, again, created legislation in 1996, the Telecommunications Decency Act of 1996, which has the section in it which says that if you allow other people to drop content into your digital box, in other words, the creators of original content on the posts that we create on Instagram or the snaps that I send on Snapchat, that is classified as user-generated content. Snapchat and Instagram cannot be held liable for the information that I distribute on Snapchat. That's what that law in 1996 did. But when you think about it, that is ridiculous. What other spot where millions of kids spend time do we allow for that much disregard when it comes to the types of content that they're exposed to? And so I've used the illustration of a toy aisle. You expect when you walk down a toy aisle, when you look at a box, it has all these different precautions and dangers and different things that you shouldn't do with that device. Why? Because some company got sued because somebody misused it in some way. So now it's super safe and all these different things. Instagram is sort of like that toy in the toy aisle that yes, it's Pokemon and yes, it's pictures and yes, it's a beautiful shot of my vacation, but it's also got this little feature on the back of it that lets predators to send me direct messages even if I have a private account or it lets me to search, you know, allows me to search for pornography through the Explorer feature, right? In addition to all these things, and we would never let that toy sit in the toy aisle. In the same regard, when it comes to a playground, we think of playgrounds as safe places, right? You send your kid there, they play. Imagine a playground that had 10 different apparatuses there. Seven of them were safe. One of them had pornography attached to it. One of them had predators hanging out around it. And one of them was addictive in nature. You would never let your kids go play at that playground. You would march, you would have the city shut it down, and it'd be gone in a day. But that is exactly what every single social media platform is like. So we allow for these sorts of things in digital places that we don't allow anywhere else where young people spend time. It's just time to have the regulation catch up to the risks that exist today so that parents who choose to have options to protect their children better. We are talking to Chris McKenna from protectyoungeyes.com. Chris, when we talk about protecting our children, the legislation is so outdated to keep them safe while using current technology. But one of the ways to protect children is through your proposed fixed app ratings movement. Would you talk more about that? All of the legislation that protects our children today, and we're all dads with kids, is all at least 20 years old. Right, so the fixed app ratings movement is like other legislation out there trying to update regulation to catch up with the digital risks that exist today. Because if you would talk to Senator Markey, who was the man who led the charge for COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, which is really the only primary legislation that exists today that protects children, that's the one that's been in the news, that's the one that YouTube violated that. Federal Trade Commission levied that $170 million fine this past summer. Um, that's really the only thing out there that protects kids. And yet, it is 22 years old. It was nine years before the iPhone and all of these other things that didn't exist yet. And if you would talk to Senator Markey, which he recently did, he admitted that back in 1998, age 13 was minimally acceptable for mitigating digital risks that existed in 1998. 
how could that possibly be acceptable in terms of the right age to protect kids today when we think of all the advances and the extremely invasive and AI-driven and intuitive ways that technology gets at us, whether it's through addiction or engagement or attention today compared to what we had in 1998, which was one one gigabyte desktop that sat in the kitchen that wasn't in your pocket, that wasn't in bedrooms, that wasn't engaging kids the way they are today. I mean, the only way we're going to make any movement with getting big billion dollar companies to change anything about how they engage with us today is to change the legislation. And the legislation is changing that age from 13 to 16? Well, there's a couple of different pieces that are out there. So there was a Senate resolution that Senator Markey, who is still a senator, he's the author of COPPA, he has co-authored bipartisan legislation with Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri in the Senate to raise that from 13 to 15. Last week, again, bipartisan, there were um, representatives who brought in the U.S. House of Representatives um, what they're calling the PROTECT bill, which would change 13 up to 16. So we have a couple of different paths. Not sure which one is uh, you know, going to be the one that you know, makes it all the way through all the different steps. But point being, we all recognize that there is urgency around raising that age. Um, and it's not difficult to understand why we've gotten where we are, right? If you think of all the different things that we enjoy as human beings, whether it's automobiles or the groceries that we purchase at stores, and you think back, you know, 100 years ago, as we're becoming more industrialized and all these massive industries are coming into existence. We allow them to flourish and to grow until they start doing human beings great harm. And then we reel them in with legislation. We reel them in with like, you know, with regulation. This, it's a very familiar path. This is almost always what happens. And I feel like that's the exact same path that we're on with technology where we wanted to give it enough space so that it could grow and it could flourish, right? We're a country of innovators, of entrepreneurs, but we are now 30 years into the internet experiment, right? The most unregulated human experiment that has ever been conducted. And we know what it's doing to us. And it is time to reel it back in. And I think we're all starting to realize, wow, something's got to change. Hence why Senator John Rogers would propose a bill that is so drastic of eliminating and banning cell phones from anybody from the age of 21 and under. It's that drastic, we have to do something, and and it starts the conversation, Right. and it's trying to reel it back in because we all can recognize that it is impacting us in a negative way in, a, in ways that it's not as safe, it's not as, uh, there. it's just causing harm in our relationships and mentally and so that is that is interesting that now legislation is starting to kind of get their grips on mm -hmm. this technology yeah yeah and um, we have a long ways to go but i think you know the senator's bill is the the spirit of it is in the right direction it's a spirit of protection it's a spirit of let's do something whether or not 21 sticks or not i don't know we'll end up you know age 16 or 15 when it comes to how we market to young people i don't know we just all know that what we have in place right now is not adequate to address digital risks that exists in the year 2020, which is, you know, again, a lot of the motivation behind the fixed app ratings movement is that we have app stores that have existed for years that 
are now peddling content to our kids governed by rules that are not adequate to protect our kids from the content that's out there. We have devices, the iPhone and Android devices, that were designed for adults that still are designed with engagement and usage in mind and are not designed with safety by design, right? If an iPhone was designed with safety by design, knowing that 83% of teenagers were going to use it, then by default, it would make sense to us that parents would have control over iMessage or parents would have certain controls over filtering and blocking pornography. But none of that exists. You either have to buy a service to do that or you have to go through 33 different steps to enable screen time the right way, hoping you get it right. It's not a device created for kids. So it's just time for some of these things to get fixed. Going back to your fix app rating, you've used the language digital playground and to help uh, the people to understand a little bit more of the importance of it in the sense of like what you would allow in certain areas where children occupy like a playground or sure. a, a toy aisle. Do you want to go a little bit more into that? Yeah. I mean, obviously at Protect Young Eyes, we have a huge desire to teach kids how to use technology well and to stay away from the things that do them great harm. And we're finding out that we're often putting kids who aren't ready in digital playgrounds that weren't designed for them, that are too mature for them. One, a couple of spots where we feel like there's some really low-hanging fruit that could instantly protect so many kids. Number one, for parents who do their due diligence, who do their research, we often, before our kid wants to download an app, will go to the app store to take a look at the rating attached to that, look at some of the information that's attached to it. Right now what we have are two very different app stores. We have Google Play that distributes apps with a certain rating scale and a certain amount of description, and we have the Apple App Store, right, used by over 80% of teens who have iPhones. They both have two different numbering systems. They both rate the same apps different ways. It's confusing. Parents deserve so much more. Not only that, but there's no accountability. Right? We have Twitter that was rated four plus for a decade, even though it was full of rampant pornography and prostitution. What recourse was there to get that changed? So it lacks um, consistency. We have two app stores that are different. There's a lack of um, quality of information in terms of the transparency as to what's actually going on inside of apps. And there's a lack of accountability. So the fixed app ratings movement we started last year is trying to fix these things. Let's create a separate body of subject matter and industry experts that is rating apps that then Apple or Google has to accept, right? Let's separate some of the decision-making from the entities that are benefiting from the success of the apps in the first place. So that's one aspect of the fixed app ratings movement. That's for parents who are doing their due diligence. On the other side of it, we have a lot of parents who aren't doing their due diligence and yet they're handing their kids smart devices. Almost every child who has a smart device has a device that knows the age of the child using it, right? When you put uh, an Apple ID on an iPhone or an iPod, iPad these days, you know, whatever it might be, you've put in a birthday attached to that account, right? Same thing on an Android device, where by creating a Gmail account, you put in a birthday. Now, I can't stop situations where people lie about their birthday, but if you're truthful about the age of your child, when you hand them the device, the device knows the age of the human using it. Therefore, we contend that by default, any device that knows that a minor 
whether it be age 12, 13, or 15 is using the device, by default should have certain features turned off. In other words, I should have to opt into unfiltered. I should have to opt into exploitation. I, have to, I should have to opt into being targeted by ads. Instead of having to search and hunt and peck for every toggle and switch and opt out of those things, right. by default, those things should be set. So the Fix App Ratings Movement is intended to do that. We have a bill, uh, a resolution that was dropped on November 20th in the U.S. House of Representatives, um, H.R. 701, that we are trying to now get sponsors for, right? Um, it's a bipartisan uh, resolution that is in there, and now we need individuals listening to this podcast to go and maybe identify for the first time who your U U.S. representative is, because a lot of people don't even know, and then visit a website we've built, fixappratings.com, and there are templated emails that you can send, and there's a whole database to find who your U.S. representative is. Send them one of these template emails that just encourages, hey, would you sponsor this piece of legislation so that we can get that passed? That would be huge. So, so fixappratings.com? That's right. So that's something that, listening, you can get involved in, and it is. It, it Obviously, the world is more and more complex. One of the things I always remember you saying is, there's no such thing as passive parenting in the digital age. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I remember. You did. That's he listened awesome. to our podcast. I did. He listened to it. And I kept As my he room, was cleaning his room. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I kept right. my room clean. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. Well, Chris, you have proven again that you are an expert in this area. <laughs> and so we are grateful for your time with us on the Thought Factory and just being able to share what you have found in the digital realm and being able to... Uh, expose that to our audience so that they can better better serve their students, better serve their parents, allow their parenting to be better in this digital age. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.